Chapter 23 Joanna waited for Gabriel to offer an explanation as to how they could both read in the dark, but he fell silent instead and stroked her hair and shoulders. The air in the coach grew thick with tension. She would have liked to have an explanation from him, but then again, if he made conversation, he might stop stroking her. Questions and answers could come later. She closed her eyes and gave in to the sensation of Gabriel's comforting hands. She couldn't remember the last time she'd been held like this, or listened to and cared about. Gabriel's hands eased the trauma she'd suffered that morning, and his breathing paced hers, calming her. She clung to him and drifted into a strange state of waking sleep, all the while aware of the hard plane of his body, the touch of his gentle hands, and the cadence of his respiration. That was all she needed. She melted into him. Joanna didn't come out of her fog until the coach rolled to a stop. Startled, she disengaged from Gabriel's embrace and glanced out the window. The coach had stopped in front of a brick townhome that took up most of the block. Where are we? she asked, her voice groggy. A friend's house. He stood to open the door of the coach. You need food and a fire. You can't take me to your house? No. Surprised. Joanna glanced at him, feeling half-drunk, although she had never imbibed more than a watery ale her entire life. You are married? No. He didn't offer any more information, and the silence chastised her. She flushed. It had been rude of her to refer to his personal affairs. Still, she was happy to learn that he was unattached. At the door, a middle-aged housekeeper greeted Gabriel and ushered them into the foyer. She took his hat while Joanna shrugged out of his large coat. Citizen Brandt is sleeping, the housekeeper said, but you are welcome to come in. Thank you, Citizen Fernside. My friend has had a stressful morning. She needs something to eat and a fire to warm her. Would that be possible? Of course, Citizen Stone. Joanna felt the housekeeper assess her, both for her physical condition and her connection to Gabriel. The survey was critical, but not unkind. How do you do? Joanna held out her hand. I'm Joanna Wilder. Citizen Fernside. The housekeeper clasped her hand in a quick but tender gesture. My dear, you are frozen. Come this way. Within minutes, Citizen Fernside built a roaring fire in the drawing room and carried in a tray piled with meat and cheese and lovely white bread and butter. At the sight of such food, Joanna's mouth watered. Sit, Gabriel indicated the settee in front of the fire. Will you join me? I've already eaten. He swept the air above the tray. Please, help yourself. Eat. Joanna didn't need further direction. She plopped down on the velvet settee and attacked the food, hoping she didn't look like a wild animal, but feeling like one all the same. While she ate, Gabriel ambled to the window, deep in thought his hands clasped behind his back. Between bites, Joanna threw glances at him. She knew Gabriel was a quiet person, but she had never seen him this quiet. His pensive mood drifted through the air and settled over her, worrying her. Perhaps he regretted his behavior in the coach, 
Perhaps he even regretted meeting her. She and Eva had caused nothing but trouble for him. She must be wasting precious hours that could be better spent on his research or his patients. I'm sorry, she ventured. For what? He glanced over his shoulder at her. For taking up your valuable time. I've plenty of time. I thought you said you were pressed for time. In the grand scheme of things? No, never. He turned back to the window and she studied him, trying to interpret the wistfulness of his statement. He must be a philosopher as well as a physician. He must contemplate life a lot and his place in the world. He certainly seemed absorbed by something now. She felt compelled to alleviate his dark mood, but wasn't sure if he would welcome her efforts. He seemed to have cut himself off from her. Their conversation had fallen flat. Words seemed far away. She wasn't sure what to say, in fact. Instead, she concentrated on eating. When she finished, she walked to the fire and held her chilled hands to the heat, hoping he would break out of his silence. She was acutely aware of how shabby her drab, patched clothing looked against the backdrop of this splendid residence. She told herself not to think about it. There was nothing she could do about the state of her attire. But everywhere she looked, she saw the trappings of wealth, shining silver, elegant blue damask wallpaper, and plush, moss-colored velvet. Joanna was stunned that such wealth existed in Londo. Gabriel's lab and townhouse had been a comfortable refuge with culinary treats to enjoy. But this place, this place could only be described as opulent. Joanna looked over her shoulder at Gabriel, who remained at the tall window, his lean figure in silhouette against the crisp lace panel. This house belongs to your friend in the high place, I take it, one of them, Gabriel said without turning to look at her. What does he do? So full of questions, Joanna. I never knew such a home existed. It is a rare exception. Then your friend is someone special? He is. And a good friend? Yes. I've known him for many years. Gabriel looked up at the ceiling. Too many years to count. Surely not. You are a young man. Not as young as you might think. Gabriel finally turned to face her. And that is what we must discuss. His solemn tone made her turn all the way around to face him. For a long while, he studied her, measuring her, and she stared back, unsure of what was to come, but fortifying herself to take whatever it was he was about to say. Gabriel sighed, but did not approach her. Joanna, you must know that I... I admire you. She blinked. Admiration was nice, but she suspected the word fell short of what he intended to say. Her heart lifted at the thought that he might have feelings for her. I value your friendship, he continued, more than you might guess, and I value yours. I was so glad you turned to me when you were in trouble. That is what friends are for. I've never had a friend. Just saying the phrase brought a lump to her throat. You have one now. He walked across the plush carpet and took her hands. Know that. Joanna, I do. She gazed up at him, her heart thudding. Yes, I do. 
and know also that I would never, ever do anything to hurt you. His words hung with worrisome innuendo. They prefaced something painful or disappointing. She was sure of it. She pulled back, but he held her fast. Joanna, I must tell you something. But if I tell you this information, you might turn your back on me forever. I would never do that. Yes, you would, believe me. But there's more. If I tell you what I need to tell you, I will put you in grave danger. What are you talking about? She finally pulled from his grip and stepped back. There are things about Londo, about me, about the man who owns this house, things of which you are totally unaware. But he held up a gloved finger. If I tell you, I violate a promise I made to my brethren. What brethren? The overseers. I knew you were an overseer. She backed toward the fire. I knew it. It's not a bad thing. Not entirely. She stared at him, her mind whirling. So, I give you the choice, Joanna. Do you want to know the truth about why you can see in the dark? Why you have the strength to kill a man with one blow? Why you can run like the wind? He padded toward her. Or, do you want to remain as we are, friends? Friends who ask no questions from this time forward. That seems limiting. That is the choice at hand. But if you choose to know the truth, and you ever speak of the truth to another human being, I will have to kill you, as well as the person you confided in, even Eva. Joanna felt the color rush out of her face. It is a grave decision, Joanna. You don't have to make it now. He tilted his head to look deep into her eyes. But until you make your decision, I will answer no more questions. Joanna studied him right back. I don't think I can live like that, in the dark, never able to ask a thing about you or, or your life. It is up to you. It's like the Garden of Eden, isn't it? What do you know of the Garden of Eden? My father used to tell us stories. Stories were passed down in his family. He said it was important to keep retelling them, especially after books were banned. Oh, and, and in the Garden of Eden story, the devil offers Eve an apple, the apple of knowledge. He flushed. You think I am Satan? No, I think you are offering me free will to know, to not remain in the dark like an ignorant animal. But to know comes with responsibility, doesn't it always? I remember when my parents were killed and I had to grow up. I had to become an adult in a handful of days. I had to take on responsibilities that I should never have had to shoulder at such a young age. And yet you did. Yes. She looked up at him, her gaze steady. I have never shirked my responsibilities. That is what I admire about you. And if you think I would betray you, Gabriel, you do not know me. He regarded her, and his intense gaze burned across her face. What if I tell you things about myself that might frighten you or repulse you? You could never repulse me. 
Then you accept my terms. Yes. She held out a hand. Give me the apple, Gabriel. Gabriel.